0: Hi, this is Stephen Cornegay from This Is Just A Thought for Anchor Podcasting. You know, when I first got the idea for podcasting, I was lost. I mean, I didn't have a clue, but after some research, I discovered Anchor. So I said, why not? I mean, it's free and I love free. It's easy to use. The creation tools are extremely helpful. They allow you to record and edit right from your phone or computer. It's especially helpful for those that aren't too tech savvy like myself. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. good morning good morning good morning the sun is shining the birds are chirping and you are breathing today is friday october the 7th 2022 my name is stephen cornegay and welcome to this is just a thought today's word of the day lol which means to drop or hang loosely or to act or move in a relaxed or lazy manner. Lol. All right. I hope everyone's enjoying their Friday or will enjoy their Friday. End of the work week is here. End of the work week is here. Man, it's been kind of a a long work week. I got to say, I got to say, it's finally here for most of us. But, hey, I got to work this weekend. So, hey, it is what it is and it's going to be what it's going to be. But for many, they are off this weekend. Hope you guys enjoy uh, a warm-up of sorts here in North Carolina. Looks like temps are in the 80s today. But it's expected to fall back off and return to feeling like the fall this weekend. Uh, So much so, they're saying Sunday night into uh, Monday morning. Temperatures are going to be in the 40s to start today. Ooh. Gotta love it. That is the fall. That is the fall. That nice, cool, brisk. And then every now and again during the day, temperatures will warm up, and then they'll drop back off at night. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. I do. I enjoy the fall. Uh, Maybe, quite possibly my uh, most favorite time of the year, or the seasons. That and early spring. I gotta say, I gotta say. Early spring, right before it turns to hot, and early fall, right before it turns to cold. It just is. It just is. Man, but uh, yeah, temperatures are supposed to be in the 80s today. This might possibly, quite possibly could be the last 80s we see for a while. So enjoy. 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 All right, let's move along here to some uh, Thursday night football. And let me start by saying I don't know what that was last night. (laughs) I don't know what kind of game that was last night. Uh, 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 There were no touchdown scores. Uh, The Denver Broncos were defeated by the Indianapolis Colts 12 to 9. All on field goals. Just was. Uh, Certainly wasn't one of the best games of the uh, year thus far. And and I, like many, are saying, why is Denver always on Thursday night football? They're not doing anything this year. Yeah, they look pretty bad. Russell Wilson, man. What is his mental block? Because it, you, you got paid, you got millions guaranteed, and you're not producing. Huh. Um like I said, I don't know what that was last night. I I, I just don't. Uh the whole game was uh field goals. There were no touchdowns scored. 12 to 9 score, all field goals. Just was, just was, man. I don't know what that was. That was um. Well, you know, the Colts aren't too tough anyway, but there certainly was a lot of speculation and hype with Russell Wilson coming to Denver from uh, Seattle, and now some are either uh, mumbling under their breath saying they can see why Pete Carroll got rid of him. Maybe Pete Carroll did know something we didn't know. (laughs) and Maybe he did because, man, it ain't looking too good for Russell Wilson. Like, what in the world is going on? What is the block? Because this certainly is uncharacteristic. I gotta say. I gotta say, man. Uh we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll progress and get better as the season goes along, but for right now, it ain't looking too good for you. It just it just isn't. It's not, it's not. I just right, move along here. Also, man, of course, uh oh uh Putin's back in the news again. How surprising. He's uh, of course renewing and renewing and vowing, uh, in order to that he's going to take back control of Ukraine. It's only a matter of time, and of course his old continuous uh, go-to card: anyone steps in, U.S. namely, he will pull the nukes out. So much, uh, wow! But uh, he may have a bigger problem, uh, like I told you guys a week or so ago. He uh, activated or reactivated the draft or he called up the reservists. And a lot of those Russian civilians, a lot of those Russian citizens, they're fleeing the country. And they're even fleeing to Alaska, a U.S. state. Why? Wow. wow. Uh, President Biden, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to welcome in those Russian uh, civilians, those that are fleeing? because they don't want to deal with Putin's war. Man, it's getting very interesting. I got to say that. I got to say that, because uh, when it broke that, that, you know, hey, I told you a week or so ago, the, the Russians were fleeing. They were trying to get out of Russia because they didn't want to go to war. It was Putin's mess, some of them said, and we want not snow parts of it. But they uh, they somehow, some way in certain parts of Russia, they made their way up to Alaska and as you know, that is a part of the United States. So we'll have to see what President Joe Biden is going to do about that. Is he going to welcome them with open arms? The way, I mean, it is a U.S. state, it, it just is. And they are fleeing uh, political persecution, I guess. Hmm? Interesting. Very interesting. I, I have no words. I have no words. I just don't. Uh, we'll just have to see how and, and wait and see and, how, and see how this plays out. Because this is uh it, it's very interesting. Well, uh, what are you gonna do, President Biden? Hey. All right, booths, move, move along here also. Oh wow, here we go again. Around that mulberry bush and back down memory lane. The foolishness of it all. Uh, looks like OPEC. Yeah, uh, you know, they announced Wednesday that they'll slash oil production by two million barrels per day. Come November, so November. So come by uh, November, they're going to cut oil production. You know, OPEC is the the world's, um, you know, they oversee the oil production. Of course, that turns to gas, I fuse homes, fuse our cars and our vehicles. And they announced Wednesday that they're going to cut production by 2 million barrels per day. So with there being less oil production, here comes the gas prices raising again. Uh, yeah, it, it's true. It's true. Uh, it's already. We've already seen a little uh, increase at the pump, if you could say that. <laughs> wow, um, that's that. This is great. You know, I guess it's great for uh, uh, those members or those oil companies because this is great. Uh, if he slices, he slashes it by November. That's right around time for the holidays. Uh, Prices of gas are going to skyrocket again. Go back up. They just are. Uh, there's no way around it. And this may be a, a a reason for it. So you have the holiday season, and then you have midterms now that are going on right around that time also. Huh, wow. Now, of course, you know, with like always, with, with these uh, oil reduction and, and OPEC, you know, many people here in the continental United States are calling for domestic production versus that full oil, that foreign oil dependence, and it's it's ramped back up. Um, as for me, I gotta agree. Uh, this is is happening way few and far in between. Way too much. This dependence on foreign oil has gotta stop. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, well. There's no way the U.S. can do this safely, but uh, I think otherwise, because with our dependence on this foreign foreign oil all the time, we, we keep getting jerked around. We just do. That's just my common man's perspective, and, and I ain't no economist. I ain't no oil uh, conglomerate giant, uh, but... As a common man that gets out every day and goes to work and try to make a living, and then I have to factor into the, the, the price of gas, which gets me to and from work or, or uh, instances where I have to do other things coming up in the day, and I got to sit there and think and wonder, can I afford this? Can I go and start that truck up and and, and run that gas? Or should I just postpone it till I can combine things? Uh, these are the things that we're dealing with. Far, it's, it's happening way too often. It just is. Yeah, I think we need to go domestic. Um, now, this OPEC thing, I understand it, it does. It is a world. Uh, it, it, it gets, you know, countries, everyone in this world is involved in OPEC in some capacity because they control the economy. Uh, Whether you want to say they do or not, they control the economy here in the United States. They control the economy elsewhere because all of this, that's like I said, with this uh, uh, me trying to figure out how I'm going to run my vehicle, all of this factors into the economy and just every day to day dealings. When we have to sit there and and ponder how we're going to afford gas along with food, clothes, shelter, That's absurd to me. And I know many are going to say, well, you know, the price of gas throughout the world is higher than it is in the United States. And even certain parts of the United States, like out there in California, they're already at $8 a gallon. Uh, A few cents here and there is really not going to make a difference. Yes, it is. Why, yes, it is. And it's absurd that we continue to allow ourselves to be jerked around like this. Uh, OPEC. Of course, it's, they're making a profit. And the two major uh, contributors or the heads of, of this OPEC is Russia and Saudi Arabia. So what well, there's also saying with Russia being the head of the largest, well, I should say two of the largest producers of oil, with them being uh, you know, one of the two that with these price hikes and, and them reducing the oil, oil, oil production, uh, it's helping Putin fuel, and fund his war. Maybe it is. And maybe it is time for us to seriously look at going domestic, build that pipeline. I I, I know there's the environmentalists, and I understand their argument completely, but I think wholeheartedly that we we have enough wherewithal, we can do it without harming the environment. Yeah, there's going to be some loss. There just is. But this right here Every two to three months, we're in a, a, another crunch where we have to raise the price of gas. has got to stop. Got to start sending a strong message. Stop jerking us around. Now, the White House has came out and said, hey, we're, we're going to look into some things. We're going to yada, yada, yada. Yeah, right. Whatever. Oh, man. Give it a rest. Give it a rest. This is absurd to me. Uh, like I said, a continuation every three to four months. Didn't we just go through this nonsense about three or four, five months ago? Yeah, we did. Before that, wasn't it about three, four, five months ago? Yep. We continuously go through this cycle of this uh, nonsense. I, I mean, I got to be honest. These OPEC dudes, they do this. We all know this. I don't care who's uh, what political party's in office. They just do. Uh, of course, You know, like I said, yada, 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 as far as it relates to the Biden administration, they're saying they're going to uh, go into some reserves that they have. And there are a certain time of the year, we all know, they switch from the summer grade to the winter grade, yada, 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 rah, 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 shish, boom, bah. Bottom line for me, cut the nonsense with OPEC and let's go domestic this right here is, is, is getting old and it's getting old quick. It just is. Um, like I said, how many times do we have to continue to go through this before we uh, wake up and say, okay, enough is enough. (laughs) Just absurd to me. It it just is. It just is. All right, let's go get it. Uh, I wanted to talk to you guys this morning. Um, A few months ago, uh, I talked to you guys about a problem that was going on with the United States Navy and its suicide rate. Um, We found out uh, and now we know that that we have a problem, not just here in the United States Navy, but it it encompasses the military as a whole from suicides. And now there's one particular base here in North Carolina, Fort Bragg, which sits in uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, which is... uh, home to um, one of the special forces divisions, the green berets and the 82nd airborne paratroopers, all both of these guys, these groups, when there's a war or a conflict, they're one of the first ones on the front line. They just are. And they're experiencing a crisis also, which many are saying it mirrors the nation. They're experiencing uh, suicide and also not just suicides, but drug overdoses as well. Now, if you're saying to yourself, um, you could get to suicide, but the drug overdoses, you may be bewildered on that. But yeah, it does. Those two do mirror the nation as a whole. Apparently, there's a problem with opioid use on the military installation here in North Carolina. And this might be throughout the United States. Now, What they're saying is the the numbers are alarming, of course, because what they're saying is because during the first two years of of COVID, the death by soldiers from suicide and drug overdoses superseded combat training or deaths. Eye-opening. There's your aha moment. Yep, there's a huge problem. In the military as a whole. Now, when I told you about the Navy suicide rate, they were saying that that was because a lot of people, you know, a lot of the recruits or service members went in and, and then they found out it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. It went back kind of to recruitment and the, the adjustment of military life, life versus civilian life. And a lot of people couldn't cope, couldn't handle it, and found themselves seeing suicide as the only way out. We're here on the the Army side, and, and more specifically this uh, base here in North Carolina, Fort Bragg, which by the way, is going to change its name. Of course, you know, there's a lot of going on with military where they're changing the names of the bases because they are a memorial of sorts, some are saying to uh, Confederate generals or whatever or what have you, Confederate Army, okay, whatever. But what's happening here with these suicide rates? Yeah, part of it is due to the, the stress of military life. But the overdoses, that's that's eye-opening to me. And, and, and it ain't overdoses. They saying overdose by drinking and drugs, but they haven't named the specific drug, but I guarantee you it is heroin. Um, uh, this is not the first time we heard of heroin use amongst uh, soldiers in the military because uh, the Vietnam War, North in, the, the, the Korean War, uh, hell, you can even go back to World War Two. So now we have, uh, you know, the Afghan, the Iran, and Iraq. And, and, well, Iraq uh, looks like the drug use has picked back up. And you know what? What I found interesting side note: I was I was just fumbling around on YouTube one day, and there was a video. the The wars that I mentioned before World War One. The uh, World War II, I'm sorry, and the Korean War and the Vietnam War, the the, the gentleman that gave presented this uh, uh, video made a very interesting point, which I went and researched, and he was correct. He said it, it every time after a war, drug use picks back up in the United States with the influx influx of drugs being bought into the country, and just the use among uh, returning veterans. Well, these guys aren't even uh, veterans. They're still using it in the military. Now, it, it, you know, what the, the number is saying that through 2020 and 2021 on the base of Fort Bragg, there was a total of 109 active and reserve service members death. 41 were, were by suicide. 21 were, were by drug overdoses or um what they're saying, drug and alcohol overdose also. But the the, the remaining seven deaths that were reported, uh, of course, that was combat and training related, like I said before. Those numbers for suicide and drug overdoses supersede what you would think are combat, fighting, and training related deaths. You just would. You think the number numbers for that would be more. Now, um, what's all come out, of course, you know, if you know anything about the military, they're pretty hush-hush. They aren't going to expose too much to you because there's a separation between military and civilian. They, uh, The military is not going to be on the TV every five minutes crying and pleading for help. Help us, help us, woe's me. And I'm not uh, trying to bash the civilian side of, of, of society, but these, these, these are just the nuances that's the difference between civilian versus military life. Now, base officials have came out and they've acknowledged the problem. Of course they have. Because there's been an investigative journalist in uh, for the Rolling Stone, an independent reporter that has done three articles about this, and he's pretty much put the uh, United States military, more specifically Fort Bragg and and their command, on notice. He, he just did. Now, so the base officials came out and and came out and said, you know, yeah, we acknowledge, we recognize, we understand that we have a problem here on base with uh, suicides and drug overdoses, and it mirrors the nation as a whole, that we're all fighting the same fight, okay? Uh, what they're saying they have done, because like I said, they said they acknowledge and they understand, they know they have a problem. So what they said is they have increased urinalysis. this means you, you have to take a urinalysis to see if you got any drugs in you. And they've also increased the training for those in leadership roles. And, uh, well, well, if you ever been in the military, <laughs> If you haven't been in the military, this sounds very familiar. And what they said, they also last year, they created a focus group that meets two times a month to analyze our community counter drug efforts. And they included some law enforcement trainers for your military police to reduce usage and access to narcotics on base. Uh, they've increased law enforcement presence around the base. Sounds very much like what we do here in the civilian world. So apparently, they're saying the narcotics are on base, so somebody's dealing. Who's dealing? Is it military personnel, or is it civilians creeping on base? No one knows, or they're not divulging. This is the military. and And as far as the suicide you know going back to this suicide and and uh, the 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 overdose, you you gotta understand military life. A lot of these guys that are, uh, you know, their own base now and they're saying these people, these guys are returning from wars. And that was one of the things, like I said, that YouTube video, they say, hey, after a war, there's always increase of not just drug usage, but there's an increase of drugs being placed into the country as a whole. Yeah. Uh, let's make no bones about it. We know what Afghanistan is known for those poppy fields. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of talk about trying to control those poppy fields also. Doesn't look like it's worked too well. Just doesn't. So, yeah, there is an increase in suicide and drug usage on these military installations. And it's not just here at Fort Bragg, dare I say. I think it's probably going to be when it's finally released and come and and it comes out. It's going to be on a lot of military bases. A lot of these young men, this is the only thing they know. A lot of kids are coming, just like myself, came into the military straight out of high school, 18 years old. So at 18 and 19 years old, they're being placed in a, a, a predicament where they have to fight or die. And when it's finally over or they're blessed enough to to get a, come back home in one piece, yeah, their stress levels are up. Their anxiety levels are up. You and I, we could never understand or comprehend what they have seen at this young of age. Now, I'm not knocking those in the civilian world, but you got to understand the military way of life. You don't have a, a, a point or, or a say in what you can can do and can't do. Once you sign your name on that dotted line, once you sign your name on that dotted line, that's it, you're off. Whatever conflict a war or chaos or catastrophic event that's unfolding in the world, when you are called up, you're called up. You shut up and do what you're told. And, and like I said, who knows what these young men and women have seen. They're, they're returning from a war. They're returning from Afghanistan. Some of them are returning from Iraq. Let's not forget Iraq. Uh, we don't hear that much about Iraq, but there's, pretty, there's some scrimmages going on around there also. So they're returning from Iraq, and, and they're finding themselves having to readjust. Uh, if you sit and think about it, at 18 or 19, you go and join the military, and there's an all-out war. So you, uh, I believe the average deployment is a, a year or, or a little bit more where you, you're there. And when there's a full-out war, you may be there for a year or two. So within that year minimum or a year and a half or whatever, what have you, you see a lot. You go through a lot. And at 18 or 19 years old, just living in, in everyday society, you have to adjust and readjust and have to remind yourself and, and try to comprehend what's going on. Imagine trying to comprehend what's going on, how to, how to hold it all together when you're sitting there fighting an all-out war. Uh, one minute you're talking to a guy, the next minute he's blown to bits right before your eyes. So the old mantra, old saying that people use drugs to escape reality. Yeah, I can see it. It it, it ain't plausible. It's factual. This is what these young men and women are up against. Um, It's startling to hear that they're actually using it on base. Um, Sign of the time. So at 18 and 19 and you're on a four year enlistment, if you already spent a year or so, almost two years, you might might as well say off in a foreign land fighting a war. And then you come back and you still got two more years left on your enlistment obligation because you aren't hurt physically. So you aren't going to get a discharge unless you, you, you plead something mental and then they're going to carry you through the ring or trying to disprove it or prove it. So just like us in the civilian world, many of us, to escape the reality, they turn to drugs. Probably started the drug habit while they were overseas. I know we all know that was a big thing with the Vietnam War. We found out that, hey, a lot of those guys over there to get them through, they were using heroin. Not just smoking weed. They were using heroin. He sent these guys over there to Afghanistan that has the poppy, <laughs> poppy fields, and and, and it, it, it produces heroin. What did you think was going to happen? Same thing with Vietnam, that part of Asia. Poppy fields were everywhere. So they started using. So a lot of these guys and women started using overseas, started using when they were in the war. So they got to come back and, and, and continue. Just to cope. Um, of course, you know the base officials are also saying they're providing. Uh, they've always been committed to uh, helping and, and with health and, and mental capacity of their enlisted and their families as well. A lot of family members are sounding alarm. There was a story of a, 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 a service member that committed suicide in his apartment sometime this uh, earlier this year, and his family were saying there was really no investigation. They just said that he had, they, they found him dead with a, a gunshot to the temple. There was really no investigation. There was really no questioning as to why or how he did this. It was just he committed suicide. Stress level was up. Uh, apparently, also, uh, well, like I said, they've been using drugs on base because they've gone into some of the barracks and some of the ones they found out had overdose, they were using while they were in the barracks. This certainly is a very serious issue that uh it's not getting the attention that it needs this is it's just, just saying let's be honest with each other here it's not getting the attention that it needs it needs attention it needs to be brought to the forefront uh the nation as a whole we have a serious problem with these opioids Um, uh, once again like that youtube video said after a war the influx of drugs drug usage drug sales Drug overdoses, it all increases. Drugs are bought back over from where they came because they need to cope. And then, of course, you know, there are some that just, hey, just want to make a profit. They're going to make a profit. They're going to sell it and deal wherever and however they can. Wherever there's a need, they're going to supply it. Just are. Man, um, our military, wow, it's, it's, it's in desperate need. It does mirror the society as a whole there is a serious opioid crisis in this country that needs to be addressed uh, I believe there are some steps being taken and and, and many may say well it's too late um, maybe but we got to do something we're, we're losing a lot of young people to this opioids in this crisis it appears it's happening in the military now so what is this, how does that uh, work for our defense if everyone is high? Carrying a gun. Hate to put it out there like that, but man, that's the reality of it. Because a lot of these cases, these men and women are still serving and still using. Looks like, looks like. I keep you guys updated on that. Just will, just will. Well, I'm going to get on and get on out of here. Got to go to work, of course. And that's all for me today. And I want to thank you all for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response. And I would love to hear your voice, so offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio, Public, Verbal, and WordPress. And as always, wherever you are listening or streaming, hit that like and subscribe button so you can get notified when I drop these podcasts. Keep you in the loop. And as always, thank you for listening. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. Amen.